0: Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program.
1: Hello, I'm Derondel Beverly with the Gemini Group, and welcome to Sam Says. On today's episode, we sit down with Sarah Howell, Senior Director at Third Horizon Consulting to discuss wellness, self-care, and handling change. But first, let me welcome our host, the Sam in Sam Says, Samantha Oldsfry, CEO of I'm Hip. Sam, how are you today?
0: I'm doing well, DeRondal, how are you?
1: I am doing well, doing well. Uh, we have an upcoming or subtle change in temperature and seasons depending on how you want to look at it I would ask you previously about your many summertime activities but now as our gaze shifts to the fall uh, what uh, what's on tap for you and the family
0: you know I always love the fall we you know we, we do the classic apple picking and going to the pumpkin patch and all that stuff but I just we also sort of start to get our house to feeling like a little more festive and um, you know it's just a a really fun time. So summer's my favorite season. I would say fall is probably my second favorite.
1: Okay all right we now have uh, we're going to bring in our very special guest. Again we have Sarah Howe, Senior Director at Third Horizon Consulting. Sarah welcome to Sam Says. How are you today?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: Doing well, doing well. Before we jump into a very exciting and very timely topic, same question for you. As we shift seasons, what uh, what are you thinking about or what are you looking forward to as we now uh, make our subtle transition into the fall?
2: So I love fall as well. I think it is my favorite season. Um, Halloween happens to be my favorite um, holiday. But I must say the most the biggest thing I look forward to in the fall is college football, even though I went to a university that always disappoints me. I still love watching them. So that's my favorite.
1: (laughs) All right. All right. And for those who are scoring at home, what what, what's what's your team? If you're if you're (laughs) sitting down on a Saturday afternoon, who are we cheering for?
2: Um, I'm cheering for the Purdue Boilermakers. I went to school when Drew Brees was a boiler. So I maybe got a little spoiled many years ago now.
1: Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, again, uh, great, exciting topic, Uh, and Sarah, we're glad to have you with us today. Uh, So we're going to dive into today's discussion on wellness, self-care, and handling change. But before we do, Sarah, please lay the foundation for our listeners. Can you provide them with a little bit about your background and why mental health support is such an important topic as we transition, as we were talking earlier, into the fall season?
2: Absolutely. And and first I want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. It's an honor to be here and and have this conversation with all of you. Um, My background actually started in my high school years. I was a youth in several leadership prevention programs that focused on substance use prevention in the state of Illinois, the Sabrina Goodman Teen Institute and Operation Snowball. So some of your listeners who have youth in high school may be familiar with those programs. So I started early and wanted to keep going and work in this field. And I was fortunate to spend 20 years with the Illinois Association for Behavioral Health. The last 13 of those, I was their CEO and worked in um, all things, substance use, mental health disorders, and uh, advocating for the community mental health and substance use system across the state of Illinois. I then pivoted and spent a year with the Illinois Primary Health Care Association working with the federally qualified health centers, got a broader perspective on community health as well as a new perspective on how we work behavioral health into those federally qualified health centers. And now I am excited that I'm at Third Horizon Strategies working to solve all things healthcare within this country, actually. Our goal at the at THS, as we call it, is to focus on finding ways where we can make significant change in this healthcare system that we have around the country. We like to remind people we spend $4 trillion in America on healthcare and yet we're one of the sickest nations for $4 trillion. So we have a lot of work to do, and it's exciting to be able to talk about one of the key drivers of that, which is behavioral health, which is mental health and substance use disorders.
0: And that is exactly why I'm so glad you're on today, Sarah, is I think that oftentimes when people who spend sort of less time in the space Mm -hmm. think about healthcare, and they think about the failures of our healthcare system, you know, they think about... Um, you know, cancer screenings or some of these other things, you know, you know, preventative health care um, for physical health. And they completely sort of separate out the mental health and substance use disorder side. Right. But what you and I know, and what we've talked about time and time again, is that mental health has a direct correlation on your physical health outcomes, and that people with severe mental illness live, I, I want to say like nearly like 20 years less. Yes. But yes. not because of their severe mental illness, but because of their unmet physical health care needs, things like diabetes or, or heart disease, where they're not getting the care they need from the medical industry.
2: Um, and it really falls short does it really does and, and you're right that that 20 year statistic it's glaring it's accurate it is exactly what you said which is the underlying chronic health condition often gets goes neglected they necessarily might not make it to a doctor or what you're dealing with a chronic substance use disorder a chronic mental illness that's what you're focusing on so you're not always noticing all the health conditions that are coming up around it until they're really too late. And so when we're talking about the drivers of our health system, what we're looking at from an outcomes perspective, as well as a dollars and cents perspective is what's driving our healthcare system cost up and those outcomes to go down are mental health and substance use disorders. Mm -hmm. And yet it still seems even today, although I will say, I feel like we we are definitely turning a corner here. But it still seems like today we separate the brain from the body and we focus on, you know, like you said, we focus on cancer. We have all all kinds of work that we do on cancer. And as a cancer survivor, I want to say I'm thrilled that we do work on cancer, but we talk about that all the time with much less stigma than with someone with a severe mental illness. And I also want to point out, it doesn't have to be a severe mental illness. I think that's the other issue that we get into in our society is there's this assumption that when you talk about mental health, that's somebody with a really severe mental illness. I, I can't wrap, wrap my head around it, so to speak, not to use a pun, but I can't, can't understand that because that's not happening in my life yet. We have anxiety disorders. There's depression, suicide. We can spend an entire time talking about how suicide is up, significantly up right now, especially with COVID and everything that's happened. So we, I think as a society, haven't, we haven't breached that that stigma wall yet where we're still not totally comfortable talking about mental health, but we're getting there. I, I think we are getting there. And I
0: think the one thing as you talk about the pandemic, I think that the pandemic um, and COVID made everyone sort of aware of their own mental health. Like we could all feel the stress and we could all feel that moment of, Oh, like we, people need to, like, we need to talk about this. Um, Or at least I could, I don't know. Um, I know, I know very few people who didn't um, feel pressure, especially in 2020. just mentally and just the exhaustion and isolation. And so I do think we are starting to talk about it more. And of course we see more and more, you know, celebrities and athletes and others coming forward and talking about mental health, which is critical because I do think everyone, people talking about it helps us realize it is that continuum of, of care and of needs that it's not, you know, Absolutely, I'm perfectly okay. I have nothing going on, or I have severe mental illness. Right. Um. There, there's a lot in between there, and that also that there are times where you um have you know where you have anxiety or you have depression, um, and that it can be managed as an episode, and that that may or may not be you may not be in a depressive state the rest of your life. Like this can actually really be treated, and you be essentially in remission, depending on your circumstances.
2: Right, absolutely. And, and and there's a lot to unpack there, particularly when you're talking about COVID. The, we knew in the field that isolation was a bad thing to begin with. And there was a lot of discussion right when all the lockdowns started happening around the country, that this was going to just exacerbate problems. Now, I think if you go back in time, none of us thought, we'd still be having a conversation about COVID today. And even now we're looking at different variants that are impacting our country and changes again in how we live our life. Yet we're a year plus out from the beginning of that pandemic, more than, what are we, a year and a half? I mean, we're we're really moving into a long-term development of this. And what we're seeing is we know isolation had a significant impact. We saw, we were already trending high on suicides. I mean, that, that's another issue that we have. And yet the pandemic created even more of a problem with that. So then there, there's that piece of it that now we're getting to the point and you're starting to read people saying, we have to expect that COVID's gonna be around for a while. We have to expect that this is gonna be part of our daily lives. And if that's the case, then we also need to take this moment and seize it on mental health because this is the opportunity for us. Instead of saying, this is the challenge, we're all gonna deal with this, let's turn that around and say, we know what this did for our collective mental health as a society. So it's time for us to turn around all the things that we've just talked about, Sam, and say, we need to focus on this. And, and I think that's going to be critical with, with how we adjust as a society going forward.
0: I could not agree more. And I'm, I mean, I feel like I don't, you know, there's the, the saying like, don't waste you know, a challenge or, or, Mm -hmm. and that's exactly, you know, where we are. Like we've been through such a hard time and we've learned so many lessons and we've learned them in a really painful, tragic way as a society. Like, I think it would, we would be so remiss if we didn't, you know, if we left that on the side, and didn't really bring the lessons with us, and figure out okay, we have to talk about mental health in a, a more uh, comprehensive manner. We have to talk about substance use disorder in a more comprehensive manner. I mean, so we've talked about um, suicide, or as I refer to it as um, you know, death by depression, losing your battle to depression. Um, but what we also haven't talked about is you know overdoses, which we've just seen mm-hmm. skyrocket again. That isolation, people. Um, succumbing to their substance use disorder um, because they're they're by themselves, and so you know there's nobody there to call nine one one, or um, you know they, they find themselves in a cycle, and so we've sort of outlined, at least you know from me, just this both a grim picture of where we are in terms of stats and where we are in terms of people's you know well being. Right. But we've highlighted you know, the sort of the small flickering flame of hope that we're talking about it. And we hadn't before, I mean, not in a real sustainable, comprehensive
2: way. Right. And I think during the initial months of the pandemic, there was a lot of discussion about the fact that even though we were focused solely on this new illness that everybody was trying to understand, that everything else in healthcare didn't go away, but a lot of people didn't go to the doctor. They didn't go to the hospital. They didn't take care of themselves. You know, what did continue to happen? Overdoses. Right. That didn't stop. Unfortunately, I actually have a colleague of mine whose family member runs a hospital in another state. And she called me and said, I had this scary conversation with my sister the other day. This was during one of the lockdowns where she was in finance for the hospital. And she said, I hate to say this, but if it wasn't for opioids, I don't know that our hospital would have had enough dollars to survive the pandemic. And she said it knowing, you know, that was, that was a problem. They, they were having this conversation, like, how's your hospital doing? And she called me and said, I, I, I cannot, I, I never thought about that. I never thought about the fact that some of these things don't change. And yet the driver that was keeping apparently that hospital going at that point was opioid overdoses, which is a sad commentary on our system as a whole and and healthcare. And yet we knew that was going to be the case. We knew that all of our illnesses, our chronic illnesses did do not stop. And we know addiction does not take a pause because of COVID-19.
0: No, it doesn't. And I always say, especially with, you know, the, Opioid addiction and, and epidemic that we have is a healthcare created problem. It's going to have, we're going to have to find healthcare solutions. Yes. Um, and, and so, oh, it's it such a sad state of where we are. Yeah. We're talking about it. We're trying to find solutions. Let's sort of parse those apart because I, I hate to just leave it as like things are really rough. <laughs> yes, let's not do that. Especially while talking about mental health. As for an individual, Mm-hmm. What you know? How do you recommend? How How should people find the support they need? Um, you know, sort of recognize challenges that they may have or that a family member is having, and sort of make sure um, or or do what they can to avoid sort of like the worst outcomes.
2: Sure, you know, I think. That's a complicated question and let's try to unpack it a little bit because I think it starts with yourself, first of all, Mm -hmm. and recognizing it's super cliche, but it's so true. It's not, it's okay to not be okay. And that's the, the first thing is to recognize that, yes, we should take time for ourselves. It's okay to do that. And if we're not feeling right, listen. And that's the first thing is just listen to your body, listen to the signs because mental health will manifest itself in your physical health. So are you sleeping more? Are you feeling a little more anxious? Are you off? And is that typical for you? Have you had a conversation with a therapist? Is this an opportunity to do that? Is it even starting with your regular primary care doctor when you go in and saying, I'm feeling a little bit different and having that conversation with them as well. Um, I do, I am a big fan of therapy. I am a huge fan of anybody who their job is to sit with you for an hour and listen to you. I I think everybody could benefit from that. And I know for some, that's a really scary thing. But when you ultimately take that opportunity to listen to you and figure out what are the small changes that you might need to make that can make you healthier It really has a big impact, but that doesn't always happen that easily. I get that. There are, there are many reasons why, Um, finding a provider, we have a really good community mental health and substance use system in this state. So if you have a provider in your community, that would be the first place that I would go. If you're not sure you can go online and I want to make sure I get you the right address here. So. Let me find the address. It's the Substance Use Mental Health Services Administration has a treatment locator that is right online. So it's findtreatment.samhsa.gov. And I'll say that again findtreatment.samhsa.gov. So you can put your zip code in there. And you can look for what treatment options are available. This would be whether it's substance use disorders, whether it's mental health disorders. And the other piece of that too, is to recognize there are, there are many different mental health disorders. It doesn't have to be that serious mental illness. It could be some small anxiety or depression. I want to remind people of that. So you can get online and find that that's the first step. The other question you had though, Sam is what about a family member? What if you're starting to notice changes in them? And that's really challenging. So, the first thing is being able to be there to listen to them, to support them, check in on them. I think because of the pandemic, we've all gotten a little more insular. Our bubble, so to speak, has gotten smaller, which has exacerbated everything we've said. So, if you have not heard from that friend in a while, check in on them. How are you doing? Is there anything you need? Sometimes just those conversations really make a difference. If you really feel that there is something off from them, do not ignore that. You want to have a conversation with them. You want to ask them what's going on. Um, can I help? You know, it, there. It's a challenge sometimes for somebody who's not done this work to feel like they can make a difference. And and what can I do? I think one of the biggest myths um, around suicide. Is people think if I ask the question, I'm going to make them think about it. So no, let, let's smash that stigma right now. If they're thinking about it, they're thinking about it. You asking is not gonna suddenly put this idea into their head, but this is the time to ask them and then ask some key questions. Are you thinking about suicide? Do you have a plan? If someone says they do have a plan, this is when you need to get them help. And I think there's a lot of concern. Sometimes people say they're going to be really mad at me. Well, maybe, but would you rather they were mad or they weren't here? And I think that's a really key question. And it's a really uncomfortable place but it really does save lives. So, so ask that question. There are resources online. You don't have to do all this alone. There, are, there is a substance, uh, I'm sorry, the suicide hotline, and they actually have a text hotline as well. So you can Google that. You can look on any of your social medias and follow any of those to get information. I would also say there is mental health first aid, which there are courses you can take online. If you just look up mental health first aid, you can take a course online on how you can intervene and then get that person to a professional. It is not your job to do the treatment, right? But the intervention becomes sometimes critical because it's that family member or friend that's the one that's hearing it or seeing the changes. So a lot of information there in that last segment, but all really critical as we try to resolve some of the issues that have really percolated in the last you know year and a half.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's you laid out so much. I want to reiterate a few things and, and talk a little bit about you know what members of MCOs have is availability as well. Yes. So first and foremost, and this is I think something people don't realize, is that your PCP, and if you're a woman, your OBGYN are really actually well versed in at least connecting you to mental health services or substance use disorder services. Um, my husband, Dan, went for his physical this week and he was—he came home and he was so excited. Um, it was the first time that his PCP had had a depression screening as just part of the physical. Now, I, my PCP is my OBGYN, so like that has been standard practice of care for my doctor for a few years, but it's really starting to, because I think of everything that's happened over the last year and a half, become more standard practice of care throughout all of medicine. So yeah. your PCP or your OBGYN, somebody you already, or your child's pediatrician, mm-hmm. already somebody you have a resource, you know, a connection with a relationship with a fabulous resource. Um, if you are feeling overwhelmed by the SAMHSA website yeah. and you are a member of an MCO. You can always call the MCO and they can help you find services as well. You can ask for a care coordinator and they can assist you. You do not have to go through this alone. Um, There are resources, um, potentially resources you're already using um, that, that can help on this. And again, not just severe mental illness, but, de- you know, just depression and anxiety and, and both, like they often manifest together and they manifest in weird ways. Some people with depression will want to eat a lot and some people won't want to eat at all. And so it, it, it's just, if you feel often really different from, from yourself um, and then with regards to losing somebody um, from depression, mm-hmm. the this was so I lost a family member um to to depression years ago now. And so after that, I really you know like, what could I have done? What should I have done? Um, what could people have done and and researching it is really the one of the most powerful things you can do is just ask really directly mm-hmm. if they're considering suicide, which is something that, like you said, I never would have thought to ask. I would have thought like that felt um seems counterintuitive. It seems counterintuitive and now I just wish somebody had, right? Um it would have been a terribly awkward conversation I imagine initially. Um but the life it would have saved and like the way my family would look really different um potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, would have been worth the discomfort or them being, you know, angry at me or, you know, whatever it may have been. Um, and so I think that, you know, there's a lot, there are wonderful tools out there, um, for individuals, for family members and and mental health for state is a wonderful one. Um, and so there really are those resources, um, available to people like you're, even though you can feel so alone, um, you're really not. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who've walked this path, um, you know, previously.
2: You know, the other thing I want to touch on really briefly too in this pandemic state that we cannot discount is the impact of grief. Somebody most likely listening, many somebody's listening, has lost somebody within this pandemic. I mean, the the numbers underscore that. Grief is its own, it has its own unique um, characteristics. And right now, much of our country is struggling with grief. It's it's impossible not to with the 600 plus thousand people that we've just lost to the pandemic. I mean, that's just COVID-19. That doesn't again go back to all the healthcare conditions, everything else that we've just talked about, the increase in suicide. So that's another piece of this where If you are feeling a little bit off, that could be another reason. And sometimes our society has a tendency to say, gosh, that's really terrible. I'm really sorry that you lost that loved one. And about two to three weeks, we're like, all right, are we good? You're good. You're back to work. Everything's good. Yet that that person that was part of the fabric of your life is no longer there. And you're still struggling, but it feels like the rest of society has moved on and you're not supposed to talk about it. Let's shatter that right now and say this, that's another main piece right now that is happening in this country. And that's where all the resources that Sam just mentioned are at your disposal to pick up a phone, your, whether it's via, you know, I say pick up the phone I'm, because I'm dating myself or <laughs> chatting, right, or texting. But there are all kinds of resources to do that. So I just don't want to uh, forget that piece because I think it's really prevalent in our country right now.
0: Yes. And, and, and especially right now, because grief has forced you to mourn in unique and more isolated ways than what you ever thought you would. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've lost family members to the, to COVID. And when we did, to, you know, we couldn't have a funeral, we couldn't, you know, cause it was earlier right. on. And, um, and it was just, it felt weird. There wasn't that traditional closure that you always thought there would be. And for members of that we've lost previously. I mean it, it's grief is like a wave and it, it doesn't you know it do, it doesn't adhere to timelines um, right you know, it does it, not. And fit into a neat tidy box. we sure wish
2: it would, but it just it doesn't. It doesn't and I think remembering again that's okay right <laughs> you're gonna have good days, you're gonna have bad days. Sometimes you're gonna have good days and you're gonna feel guilty that you had those good days. And oh. that's all okay. So I just want your listeners, To know, you know, you never know who's listening that might, it might resonate where they feel like, oh, I thought I was the only one, but there's a lot of us that are out there and around this country and around this state that the work that you are doing, your members are doing, is trying to get to the heart of this. And that's really the critical piece here is there is help and it is available. And there are people that want to assist to get you to a place, a healthier place. And I say that, I say a healthier place because life is a journey and it's not a car wash. That's the one myth I always try to dispel, particularly about like substance use treatment. It's not a car wash. We don't come in one end and X number of days later, we're good, we're fine, moving on. No, it's a journey. Recovery is a journey. Our own healthcare is a journey that will ebb and flow over the course of our life.
0: Sarah, I'm so glad you've joined
2: us for this discussion. Well, thank you for having me. I know we could go on for hours and and I'm appreciative of the time you took to talk about this really important topic.
1: You know, just listening to the two of you talk, I mean, this is such a powerful, powerful conversation that will not only resonate with folks now, but as you said, things happen in waves. And I think that our listeners can come back and revisit this conversation, not only for the helpful Um, uh, tips and resources, but to just also keep some of these topics uh, very front and center because this is always going to be a continual thing that many folks will grapple with. Uh, Sarah, we would love to have you come back in the future for an episode of Sam Says, if you don't mind.
2: I would absolutely enjoy it. It would be an honor.
1: And I also want to offer you my sincerest apologies for mispronouncing the name of the company at the beginning. It's Third Horizon Strategies. I want to offer you and Third Horizon my deepest, deepest apologies for, uh, for, for messing that up on the intro. I apologize for that.
2: Not a problem.
1: Sam, before we wrap up another great conversation, um, what's, what's one key takeaway for you as we close out?
0: I think it's, you know, just really reminding everybody like it's okay to not be okay. Um, that, you know, that, that there are resources out there that the SAMHSA website, in terms of finding a provider, your PCP, your OBGYN or your, met, your Medicaid MCO, um, there are resources available to you or to a family member. Um, and life is a journey as Sarah said, and it has definitely it's stressful and grief filled moments. You know, there are resources available.
1: Okay. All right. Again, another great conversation. And again, special thank you to Sarah Howe from Third Horizon Strategies. Again, my sincerest apologies for the error in the introduction uh, for taking some time to talk with us today. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, I encourage you to visit the I'm Hip website at I'mHip.net. That's I A-M-H-P.net to learn more about what the association is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one. I also encourage you to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And if you are interested in becoming a trusted partner with the association, again, I encourage you to visit the website at imhip.net. On behalf of Sam and the team at I'm Hip, I'm DeRondel with the Gemini Group. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sam Says. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.